So I threw this together at 11 o'clock last night. I hope my brain functioned well enough to get this together correctly. All right, so who knows what our Faith Life app is? No one. Fantastic. Oh, there are a couple people. All right, so that's our church, our church web, our church app. So when you log on to it, it's everything you need to know about Robinwood Church. It's got the link. Wow, the well at Sur City. Again, brain not functioning. Um, so it's got the link to our calendar. You'll be in the know of what's going on. Um, it's got our website. And it's basically like a church version of Facebook. So take all the junk off Facebook that blogs our, our feeds and everything. Um, and that's what Faith Life does for us. It keeps us connected as a family uh, to know what's going on. There's um, You can do prayer requests. You can do all all sorts of fun stuff. So if you have your phones out, and if you have a phone within the last couple years, you're lucky you just hold your camera up to the QR code, and it'll give you the link to download the app. Right? Camera's broken on mine, so I couldn't test it. So, And mom's phone is too old, so it didn't work. So I had to do it the old-fashioned way. Take your camera and point it at the little box up there. I'm getting there. I got to get my big head out of the way so people can take a picture. How many churches say, get your phones out and start taking pictures of the screen? This is awesome for a millennial. Don't put your phones away. Bring them out. Take pictures of the screen, not of me. It works. All right, for those of you who are not gifted in that, go to your app store and search for the Faith Life app. And then hit install. And it'll start installing your Faith Life. Make sure you're doing the Faith Life community because Faith Life has about 12 different apps that they have. Really cool Bibles. If you're a Bible nerd, um, the Logos Bible app and the Faith Life Bible app is all free, by the way. All free. Um, did, man, you can get so far in depth in Bible stuff that it's just, you can get lost. It's like being in House's Head for a minute. It, it, whew. It's, it's deep. Um, if you have an account already, you sign in. If you don't, on the bottom right-hand side, there's a little thing that says create account. Um, first name, last name, email address, and a password is all you need to set up. And then the first time you log in, you'll see a little screen like this that says find groups. And the group you will not search for is Robinwood Church made that mistake. You'll want to search for the well at Surf City. You hit find groups, search for the well at Surf City. If I've passed any of you and you're still on step two, don't worry, I can get this all to you again. Um, there's two the well at Surf Cities. The presentation team, if you are interested in joining in sitting at the back table and learning how to hit a button and advance slides. Um, that's the presentation team. You want to make sure you do the church one. The first one's got a little check mark on it. Um, you'll want to do the church app. 
And then from there, you're all connected. It was that easy. <gasps> Hopefully I have an answer. Yes. It does. It will remember who you are. You can change it in the settings later if you want to join other churches um, and be super connected. You can do that. Along the bottom of the screen, you'll see the five different icons. The one with the little church is our homepage. It's basically a web version of, or a phone version of our website. So it's the exact same thing. Then you have messages to where you can send a message to um, the entire church. You can send it to an individual. Um, you select all that when you're in there. This part here, this third page, is the notifications tab, the activity tab. This is the Facebook of the Christian Facebook part. Christian Facebook part. Um, this will show everything that's happened recently, just like a news feed in Facebook. You can scroll up and down. You have your little post to My Faith Life that'll post to the group. Um, you have at the top, you can post pictures. There's also a little prayer guy up there. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I have a prayer request. Maybe I don't want everybody in the church to know about it, um, or anybody who just follows our church to know about it. There's certain security settings so that only people who are a member of the prayer group, the people who want to join the prayer group, um, will be able to see that. So it won't be open to the entire church. Um, it's just like as if you filled out a prayer request on the cards. So that's how that works. Um, the other, next to the notifications tab, the little podium looking thing is all of our sermons. If you missed a week, they're right there. You just click on it and click on it again, and scroll, and if you weren't paying attention or fell asleep, you can re-listen to it. And then the last one is your settings tab that gets you into changing all your different settings and customizing and all that fun stuff. Now, if you're tired of your phone and you don't want to do it on your phone, um, you can go online, faithlife.com slash the Wellitzer City. That'll get you the computer version, desktop version of the same app. And with that, yes ma'am. <laughs> this whole set has been recorded and will be pushed out afterwards. Did we pass the buckets? We did? Oh, fantastic. All right. So, uh, they can go to the Faith Life app, and on the uh, church, the, the first icon of the church thing, um, you can give through there. Yes, ma'am. The menu. Yeah. Yeah, just like it's a exact copy, it's a replica of the uh, website. So if you were to go on the website, you'd hit the upper left-hand corner for the menu, the drop-down menu, and that has all your different locations on the website. It's got the calendar, it's got all of that through the menu. Anyone has problems, I am most definitely available to help you.
Any other questions, comments, concerns? Yes, you can. It's a two-way street. <laughs> cool. I must have done my job fairly well. Or I've bored you to tears already. Yes, sir. They're back-end settings. So I am, there's two admins of the group, and that would be House and I, and we're the ones that elevate people to prayer groups. So if you want to be a member of the prayer group, you just send me a message, and I'll change your settings. They're set to only be visible by the um, prayer team, those who are prayer team members. If I did it correctly, that's the way it should be. Big if. Anything else? Fantastic. Thank you, Kim. Yay. Well, if you remember last week, I asked her if we could do this, and she said yes. Well, she was in the middle because we were having technical problems. So she said sure, but had no clue what I had asked her about. So I texted her last night, and I said, you do have this. What? I said, that's what you said yes to last week? Oh. So thank you very much, Kim. We have Bud is back from Africa. Yay! Come on up here, Bud. What? I know we always call on you. You and Karen are always gone some fascinating place. So we just want to kind of hear an update on what we what happened. <laughs> this is a short one. Well, I am blessed by the prayers. I would tell you a story about being almost an hour late to get to the airport Saturday morning when a car didn't show up, but I'm not going to tell you that story. Halfway through, I said, okay, God, if this is yours, you do it. If it's not, I'll go back home. The driver was doing 90 miles an hour at 405. Got me there just in time for the door to get closed if I didn't, if I wasn't there. I would have missed the flight. So you begin a trip like that and you just say, okay, this is going to be some kind of amazing journey. It was. Um, rained every day I was there. Roads washed out. It took us seven hours to get where it usually takes us three hours to get to. But the amazing people there are determined to make a change in the way they live. And those of you that support us, we're eternally grateful because it's making a difference, a huge difference. And we thank you very much. So, but I don't want you to go down. But come back here. Because, no, because I know the spirit is heavy and thick on you. I felt it when you walked in. So I'm going to ask that you pray over the kids and over our offering. Gracious God, we just come before you and seek your blessing on every child in this room, whether they're 80 or 8 or 8 months. We're all your children, Father, and we ask you to bless each and every one of us and now take this offering and multiply it fold after fold after fold, Father, as we go forth in your journey with each other in this church that chooses you. In your name, amen. And that's why God told me to have him do that. Woo! Thank you, Ben. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Grab your goodies, your coffee, your tea, whatever it is. And then come back here in three minutes for our sermon. 
Before we get started, I'm also going to pass around, I'm going to have this go down this aisle and back up this one. If you can't make it to our Christmas Adam service, there's a Christmas Eve service on the 24th at 7 o'clock, and our friends, the Methodists, will be hosting that. So uh, that's available for you also. So we'll pass that along. We're going to get started in a moment. If you want to turn your Bibles, turn them to John chapter 1, verse 12. That's uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12. We'll get started as soon as everyone gets back in here. Well, I am going to start by talking about a time that I wanted to save money on batteries and electricity by getting a hand grinder for coffee. I thought, well, hey, then I'll never have to worry about batteries. I'll never have to worry about plugging things in. And as you know, I've got a Volkswagen with, with power nothing. I've got, who remembers how you used to open up a car window just by cranking it? And I've got, uh, manual brakes, manual steering, manual everything, and I kind of like it. And I thought, well, maybe I'll get a manual coffee grinder. And we were first married, and I thought that's that's a good idea. So I got one, and it takes like half a day to grind enough coffee to make a pot of coffee. I I, I thought it would be real easy, you know, kind of like a hand tool, just you know, just grind. No, it just you grind and you grind and you grind and you grind. You could watch a movie while you're grinding. And you just wonder how grandma ever did that. You know, they used to have those wooden ones with a little drawer in it, you know, and pull it out. And grandma must have sat there for a long time grinding that coffee. And I just went right back to using the electrical grinder. Why am I saying this? What is spiritual about this? What is Christmassy about this? What, uh, what am I talking about? What if I told you that Grinding coffee by hand is not as powerful as grinding it electrically. And the truth is, we do the same thing in our relationship with God. A lot of us have a hand grinder when we could be going to an electric grinder. And most of the people I know, including myself, are dissatisfied with the power in our relationship with God. I've never talked to someone who said, I pray too much, I wish I prayed less. I wish I didn't feel this close to God. Nobody says that. People say, I wish I felt closer to God. I wish that my efforts to connect with God were more fruitful. I wish that this worked better. I wish that I had the electric grinder rather than the hand grinder. Who here occasionally, if not all the time, has a hand grinder relationship with God? You're you're grinding along, you're doing the best you can, and and these spiritual athletes show up around you and you think, why can't I be like them? Why can't I have the kind of relationship with God that they're talking about? Well, the truth is, and we're going to talk about this, brain scientists tell us that 85% of our mental energy, 85, is used for social negotiation. What do people think of me? What am I going to do? Who am I going to meet next? Who here has had an imaginary conversation with someone before you talk to them? You're going through it over and over. You got to fire somebody. You got to go through a job review. You got to do all this kind of stuff. And you're going through the conversation ahead of time. 
those difficult conversations. And we're often thinking about social stuff almost always because we are social animals. And 85% of our brain is wired by God to get along with other people. It's wired relationally. Why do you think Facebook has taken off? Because it uses the 85% of your brain that is socially wired and people are all interacting all over the place on this thing because it puts the big gears in, in gear. And the truth is, 15% of our brain is left over for other stuff. And 15% of our brain is often the part of our brain that we use to connect with God, which is like trying to ground, grind coffee with a hand grinder. And a lot of us are dissatisfied with how close we feel to God. We don't hear from God. We pray in his direction, but he doesn't seem to answer back. We're grinding and grinding and grinding away, and we don't see much fruit from it. Well, I'm here to tell you that there's a way to get around that, and there's a way to go from the hand grinder to the electrical grinder by using the biggest part of our mind. We often spend so much time thinking about what are we going to do with other people? What are they going to say? If I wear this, what will people think of me? And so on and so forth. And if you're in business, you're always meeting the needs of your customers. And you're always thinking, what does our customer want? Craig, when you're designing a house, you're always thinking, trying to get in their head, what is it that they're trying to, to do here? And your bride over here, sitting on the bench, Nancy, she's up there thinking, what is going on in their minds and how do we organize? She's in family law. How do we make this work? And the truth is, if we don't have a relational, personal way of dealing with God, we're using that 15% of our brain that's not relational to work with God, and it doesn't go anywhere. We believe he's there, but he's some distant higher power. So we're going to walk you through some key things here. We're in a sermon series for Advent and Christmas giving last week, receiving this week. Jesus the present next Sunday and his presence on the 23rd. Next week, the present or the gift. And we're going to talk about where all of our Christmas customs come from. And how a lot of the things we do have a Christian origin from lots of different countries. And you might wonder, where do Christmas trees come from? I'll give you a hint. His initials are Martin Luther. It's a whole other thing. There's a whole bunch of interesting things we can look at about why we do what we do so you can have a richer Christmas celebration. So we'll see you next Sunday for that. So here's our Bible verse. Let's read this out loud. It's John 1, verse 12. 1, 2, 3. Wait, wait, wait. 1, 2, 3. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. To become what? Children of God. That's a family reference. Jesus called God not some high power, not the force, but Abba, Father. He used relational language to talk about the creator of the universe. Why? Because Jesus knows, and it's true, that the smartest part of our brain, our biggest horsepower, is relational. And if we want to connect with God, it's best to use the smart 85% of our brain rather than the 15% that's left over. We're going to do better in life. 
if we see God relationally to become the children of God. But as many as received him. This is the secret of the whole Bible. Not just the New Testament. Not just the Gospel. The whole Bible. Jewish spirituality. Hebrew spirituality. Jesus was one of those people. Is all about receiving. It's all about God's grace and power coming straight down, broadcasting 24-7. And what do we do? We just receive. We don't climb up to meet it. We don't, we don't earn it. We don't anything like that. We just have to receive it. We want to receive what God has for us. And we want to receive it in a personal way. Because that's the part of you that is the most powerful. So if you're going to relate to whatever created this universe in an intelligent way, we have to use the most intelligent part of our brain, which is relational. We have to put to work that 85%, that electric grinder, rather than the 15%, the hand grinder. And then we can reap the benefits of a relationship with God. And the truth is, that's challenging in our culture. But it says here, go back to this verse. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. Which begs the question, who is he? And if you read the whole chapter, chapter 1, which you could do a lot worse than just looking at it right now. The whole chapter, chapter 1. Chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, is he here? Is it Jesus? Is it God? Is it this word in Greek, the Logos? Which is it? Which is it? If we receive him, what are we receiving? We're receiving Jesus. We're receiving the Father. We're receiving the word. What are we receiving? And the chapter is not clear about that. You can read it backwards and forwards. It's just like when a bunch of people visit Abraham. You can't tell whether it's angels or people or what or God. Same thing when jo uh, Jacob is wrestling with an angel, and that says he wrestled with God, and they, yet they called him a man that he was wrestling with. There's things in the Bible that are ambiguous, but I'm going to show you by the end of this message what he is and how that works. So, here's the big challenge. Most North Americans believe in God. 90 plus percent of people living in the United States and Canada believe in some higher power God. Here's the problem. We think of God as an elective course. Our normal culture is secular. We think practically and we think of physical things as just physical. And in normal day to day work at school, at work, wherever you go, we think of things here as physical and having no real spiritual content. And God, in the North American way of looking, is just out there somewhere if you need him. And he might not even be there. It's not required to function in our culture to believe in a personal God. Although most people do believe in some kind of a higher power. This is a real problem because it pulls us in all week long. 
for a while there, television was dying. Less people were watching TV. More people were getting on computers. Then they came up with cheap big screen TVs. And now people are watching tons of TV. You can watch like a whole series of anything you want. Who remembers the show That Girl? Back in the 60s. Wendy and I are watching all the way through That Girl because it's really light. And if you've had a hard day, there's just fluff, just fluff through the whole thing. You can watch the whole thing. And it's like, it's like bubble gum for your eyes. You know, it's just there's nothing there. But people are watching a lot more TV because we've got these big screens, which pulls us into the culture, and the culture is secular. People aren't assuming a personal God. You can have one if you want. That's one of your civil rights. And most people believe in some kind of higher power. But there's no sense to which it's a part of who we are as a people that you believe in a personal God. And this is a problem. And it, it pulls me in. Here I am, a pastor. And, you know, come Thursday and Friday, I'm starting to think of God as just some vague higher power. Now, if you think of God as a vague higher power, how powerful is your prayer life going to be? Not very. And part of the problem I have, and you might have with your prayer life, is when we think of God as this force or this designer, and we don't think of him as personal terms, and next thing you know, the conversation gets kind of vague. Who's quit during a prayer because you just, you just lost attention? You're trying to pray, but next thing you know, you're thinking about something else. Because that's an indication that our God has become too abstract, too philosophical, too theological, and not personal enough. And we're using the 15% of our brain to try to connect with God, that part that's not relational. And we wonder why there's no power in it. And we quit doing it. Who here, I'll close my eyes, who here has gone more than a few days without praying? I'm closing my eyes right now, so you, let's be honest, raise your hands. Spouses, don't look at spouses. Closing, open my eyes again. We, we do that because we're using the wrong part of our brain to pray to God. And you know what the problem is, is the North American culture keeps telling us to do that. Well, you can believe in a God, a higher power, but he's probably not there. He might be there, but it's just an organizing principle of some kind or some philosophical thing. Oh, I believe that there's a higher power. And folks, it's better to believe in a higher power than not to, isn't it? It's better than being an atheist. But if you don't see that God as personal, when Bud was up here telling about his trip, he says, okay, God, if you don't want me to, he's dealing with him personally. If you don't want me on that plane, you take care of this. This is your thing. And he's engaging the 85% of his brain that is relational. And that's where the power is. That's where the power is in a relationship with God, is seeing him as personal. Now, as opposed to the North American view, there's another worldview here, the Christian biblical worldview. And the Christian biblical worldview is a whole different worldview. It's countercultural. It is a potent God behind everything. And the chair you're sitting on is real and physical, but it is held in existence by spiritual force. Nowadays, they've got microscopes that go beyond microscopes that go beyond microscopes. And once they get down to a certain subatomic level, they realize there's no such thing as matter. It's all energy and consciousness. There's no real physical anything. And you watch these, 
these documentaries with those guys with the bow ties and the big eyebrows, you know, the, the, the experts and they talk about, you know, there's this and there's that. And you watch all this stuff. There's nothing there if you look really closely. And the truth is, there is nothing solid out there. And it's all held in existence by the will of a personal God that Jesus called Abba. Folks, if you want a stronger prayer life, look at God personally, relationally. Talk to him like you'd talk to someone else. Anne said this in a prayer thing she taught years ago. Just talk to God like you normally talk. Think of God as a personal being who is concerned about what you're doing today. And then your decisions will be smarter and more intelligent because you're using the smarter part of your brain to talk to God. Relationally, we are very complex. I mean, you've ever been married for a long time. Yeah, it's complicated. I get these young couples at pre-marriage counseling. Oh, we'll never have trouble. We never fight. There's, it's just, it's just love and simple. I'm thinking, you have no idea what's coming. It's, it's going to get complicated. It'll get better in some ways, and some ways it'll just get hard. And if you haven't done the hard stuff, you're not really married. You're just kind of next to each other. Because this stuff will happen. It just does. Every relationship you're in is complicated. It's just not that simple. And your relationship with God is complicated. If you don't believe that, you're not talking to the real God, because God is a character. Oh, he'll always do this. How do you know? Oh, God would never. How, are you sure? He did a lot of stuff in the Bible. Almost always when I'm reading the Bible, he does something that I think he shouldn't be doing. But since this is his his deal, he can do what he wants with it. And seeing God personally rather than just as a force will empower your worldview. So two Christ, there's two views. There's the North American view where there's this higher theological, philosophical power. And by the way, that's taught in seminaries. Pastor Phil and I went to seminary. And at seminary, it's kind of implied that you find God at the library. And you footnote lots of stuff. You've been to Bible college. And there's a lot of study. And it's very theological. It's very philosophical. And next thing you know, your prayer life starts to disappear. We warn people when they go to seminary, don't let it ruin your faith. Tamara's our associate pastor. I will not let her go to seminary. In fact, we should just have a motion right now to forbid her going to seminary so she preaches good. I spent 10 years on learning all the stuff that I learned. And while I was learning that stuff, my prayer life started to wither because I started using the 15% in my brain to connect with God, the non-personal part, and I was grinding coffee with a hand grinder, and there was no fruit to it. And this is why Jesus' worldview is this. The physical world is real, but the spiritual force behind it he called kingdom. Kingdom has nothing to do with heaven someday. Kingdom is not a place you go. It's something that is here, and we pray for his kingdom to come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he starts the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic, which he taught it in, with Abba. Our what? Father. Start the prayer personally. And think of a personal being. And this is why it's cool to have Jesus. Because Jesus is a person we can relate to. And this is why reading the Jesus stories is so cool. So who is he? We receive him. 
We receive Jesus. We receive the Word, who was God, and we receive God altogether. You can't receive the Father without receiving the Holy Spirit. You can't receive the Holy Spirit without receiving Jesus. You can't. It's there's one God. It's one package with different ways of connecting. It's like a tinker toy with three holes in it. You can connect in any one of those places. You still get the tinker toy. There's one God. And some of us relate better with the Holy Spirit. Some of us relate better with the Father. Some of us relate better with, the, with Jesus. But we receive that place where the spiritual and the physical connect, which is the ultimate truth of all reality. And that's relational. And you see it relationally, and your life takes off, and you start getting smarter. It supersedes any wisdom you can learn in school to have that personal relationship with God that you work out every day. You just make better decisions. If you pray about them as if God is a real personal God, it makes a huge difference. So Jesus called that connection kingdom, and Jesus symbolizes for us someone who is true God and true man where the physical and the spiritual connect. And if we receive that connection, Jesus in our hearts, we affirm that we are spiritual beings living in a physical world, relating to a personal God, and next thing you know, our life goes better. Maybe not easier, but better. Who thinks that Bud and Karen occasionally have challenges on their mission trips? Who thinks Jesus had challenges? They do, and we have challenges. But those challenges are faced with intelligent decisions based on a relationship and a discussion with a personal God. If you've got a big decision and you treat God philosophically and theologically, you and I might make a bad decision. Then we'll go looking through the libraries to see what people say about what we should do. The footnotes to the Bible. Instead of asking God, Lord, what should I do about this? What does love ask of me here? Your kind of love. What can move things and change things here? That's what makes the difference. You see where there's two worldviews here. You see where the North American worldview pulls us into a less powerful relationship with God. So we here at the well are teaching a personal thing. This is why you come to this church. People care if you're here. We saw Pastor Phil and Bell walk in, and people look at Pastor Phil and Bell are here. That's cool. You matter here. You're relate. This is a relational place. We're doing relational Christianity here, not presentational. Jen was up here. She's not some star on the stage. She's a friend leading us in worship. I'm not a person who's got it all figured out. My prayer life starts to stink when I look at God theologically. When I look at God personally, it takes off. It's that simple. It's adding electricity to the grinder. And the more personally we see God, the smarter decisions we're going to make. That's just the way it is. This is a container ship. You've seen the container ships out in the Long Beach Harbor. John knows a lot about this. He uh, goes to board meetings and stuff for the Port Authority, which I can't imagine the boredom, but still... John goes to these things, and these massive container ships are out there. On the right there is the drive shaft for the propellers. It's like 10 feet across. Compare that to the drive shaft in your car. The drive shaft of this thing is massive, 
and the propellers are huge. And folks, that's the power in the relational part of your brain. That's where the horsepower is. That's where the electric grinder is. That's what pushes the big gears. It's the relational side that you have. The non-relational side that deals with peripheral stuff, very smart. No matter how high your IQ is. And you're going to miss a whole bunch of stuff. An average person using that 85% with a personal God is going to outperform a really smart person using the 15% anytime. So we want to develop and cultivate a personal relationship with God. I mean, think of the power of those propellers, and yet many people decide, I'm going to move this container ship with an oar. Good luck. I was once canoeing on the Missouri River when I was in junior high with another guy. And uh, Missouri River is about a mile wide in Montana, and the wind hit. And I lost my oar. And I started paddling. It doesn't work real well with wind and currents and everything else. Folks, that's how we limp across. That's how we limp along in our, our, our prayer life and our personal relationship with God if we don't think of him as personal. And the more time we spend in our culture around us, the less personal we're going to think of him as being. If you start talking about him as being real personal, people think you're weird in your conversations. They will. They'll start thinking you're very strange. But you're making better decisions than they are. Because God is guiding you through all of those things. And God will teach you all things. The personal relationship with God thing was a given up until this last century, the 1900s. Then people started thinking real scientifically. And folks, there's nothing wrong with science. But when science treats the world as dead and inert, it misses the whole point. Misses the whole point. Until a Jewish guy in the 1950s, wrote a book called Ish und Du, Martin Buber. And this book in the mid-1900s was about a personal relationship with God. Because we'd lost that by then. We had it for 1900 years. We thought of God personally. Then we started thinking scientifically, and God became distant. And Martin Buber wrote the book Ish und Du. It had been translated as I and Thou. And Thou not meaning formal, by the way. Thou is the informal form of the word you. If you call the queen thy highness, someone will slap you. It's your highness, because your is more formal than thee and thou and thy. Why is it thee, thou, and thy in the Bible, the old versions? Because it's personal. Martin Luther, when he translated the Bible into German, had a choice of whether to call God do or sie. Sie is formal. Guess what he calls God? Do. Ish und du. You and I. Personal relationship. A personal relationship with God is where all the power is in our lives. It's not the or, it's the container ship. So, here's some advantages of seeing God relationally. Relationally, personally, and seeing, cre uh, seeing creation spiritually. <laughs> Putting the strongest part of your mind and your soul to work. If you see the creation as spiritual and the creator as personal, you're putting the big gears in your mind to work. And you will make stronger, better decisions. Your life won't be perfect. It will be hard. But you still will be way ahead of people who don't get that. Guess which young evangelist 
picked up a copy of Ish and Do from Martin Buber, and it changed his life. Billy Graham. And what did he start inviting people to? A personal relationship with God. Because we'd lost track of it. We'd lost track of it by the middle of the 1900s. And people flooded the invitation fields coming forward to establish that personal relationship with God, dealing with him personally and intimately, ish and do, you and I, putting the strongest part of your mind to work. Number two, it empowers your prayer life, your conversation life with God. If you see the universe as spiritual and God is personally, your prayer life will improve. I guarantee it. It's going to start picking up. And you can start to have those hard conversations with God. The book of Psalms is basically David having really difficult conversations with God. They generally start by saying like something like this. What are you thinking? You're making me look bad. Then he works through a whole bunch of stuff. And by the end of it, he finds his way to God's loving kindness, his unconditional love. But he struggles all the way through each psalm, almost every psalm, to get there. He's having a knockdown, drag out fight with God. And what what did people say about him? He had a man after God's own heart. Because he saw God as personal. And he was able to effectively lead people because of that. Not because he was a great person. He had some serious sex and violence issues. Serious sex and violence issues. Very R-rated guy in that sense, in in the natural. But he overcame that with what? His personal relationship with God. And he's the king to which everybody held a standard to. Next slide. It will result in better health, better strength, more longevity, and inner peace. Who wants less of any of those? Not me. We all want more of those things. And people who have a personal relationship with God have more joy in their life, less stress, they live longer, and they're healthier. We're one ball of wax, folks, and we can't be physically healthy without being emotionally and spiritually healthy. And if we believe God loves us and cares about us, we're going to speak words of faith. They're going to change the way we feel about ourselves. And we're not going to curse ourselves by saying terrible things about ourselves. You'll notice if you come here for a while, people will not let you say bad things about yourself. That's a sign that they care about you. Sure, we make mistakes and that kind of stuff, but if you say, I'm stupid, I'm not athletic, I can't make money, I'm always broke, someone will correct you. Because that's not what God thinks of you. God thinks you can do all kinds of stuff. The Bible comes alive. The Bible will come alive if you see God personally. Because you realize that everyone in the Bible sees God that way. This was before the secular revolution. People are dealing with God personally. And it starts to come alive for us. It's not just a book of answers or a theological source book. It's, it's people struggling with God and prevailing. Helps you make smarter decisions. Who wants smarter decisions? Just, just me or just some of you too? Who here has made a dumb decision when you didn't go to God personally? Yeah. We do it all the time. Let's look at this again. Let's read it out loud. One, two, three. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. 
Let me show you how much we've messed with the language over the years. Believe is a verb. What is the past participle form of believe? Beloved. Beloved. We've turned a heart word into a head word. Do you believe in God? Do you think there's a God is what we're thinking, what we say. But what it means is, are you heart to heart with God? Who have that personal relationship with him? That's where all the power is, is in that relationship with God. Having a conversation with him all through the day. We use this example all the time. We invite the worship team up. But Linda Hines always talks about how she doesn't say amen during the day until the end of the day because she wants to keep the conversation going. I'm not saying you have to do it that way, but isn't that kind of cool? How that indicates that she's got this personal conversation going all through the day. So, folks, what will it be? You want to use the 15% of your brain that's not relational and grind the coffee forever and get nowhere? Or do you want to use the 85% of your brain, the smarter part of your brain, to relate to God? The relational part of your brain. God knows how our brain's wired because he wired it. And he wired it to be relational. In fact, what does Jesus say about the top two commandments? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Not just believe that he's there. And love your neighbor as yourself. Absolutely. I invite everyone to stand up. This is a picture of Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. And it's in black and white at the beginning. And then she looks outside when she lands, the house lands in Oz. And what does she see? She sees things in what? Color. Sees things in color. And going from God as theological, philosophical to God as personal is like going from black and white to color. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite everybody here to either re-up for that or choose it for the first time. Some of you may never have said yes to Jesus, but we're talking here about receiving him. So I invite you... If you want to, just to pray out loud after me, everyone. We'll just do it together with those people doing it for the first time. But for some of us, it's a recommitment to a personal relationship with God. Heavenly Father, Abba in heaven, Jesus had a relationship with you. And from time to time, I let that slide, or I never even had it in the first place. You wired me up to be intelligent, to connect with others, to be sociable, to love other people, to form relationships. And most of my mind is for that purpose. And I want to dedicate that relational part of me to renewing a relationship with you. I want to pray better this week. I want to talk with you this week. I want to work through my decisions with you this week. I want to be more at peace. I want to sense your presence. I want to push the big gears. And Lord, I just pray for the people who might be praying this for the very first time or receiving your son, receiving true God and true man, Jesus Christ, that truth of relational faith. I pray that you bless everyone who's either recommitting to that or praying for that for the first time. And Lord, I just pray that uh, 
we'd go from black and white to color. We'd go from grinding the grinding the coffee with our own hands to just plugging it in and letting it go. Lord, uh, I pray that you give us the tools to fight back against our culture when it turns you into this elective course that might be out there somewhere. That takes the power out of our faith. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that we find ways to love other people the next week. We pay attention to one another, that we work on those relationships. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.